Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, June 21st, and a happy summer solstice to all you folks out there. Welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show features rock star Andrew McMahon. In our Survivor Spotlight, Jill Harrison, young adult survivor, acclaimed director and playwright, and a lung cancer in young adults, if you could believe that, non-smoker. And, of course, Andrew McMahon, young adult survivor of ALL, which is acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Singer-songwriter, the frontman for Jack's Mannequin, and the founder of the Dear Jack Foundation. As a reminder, this broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Who would like to thank our major sponsors for making this show possible? Sponsors like Spencer's Gifts, Azi, Genentech, and Lily Oncology. We are on the web at i2y.com, and we help young adults fight cancer every day. We are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because our generation deserves better. So hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another fun, fun, and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners here tonight on the Blog Talk Radio Network, broadcasting live from the chemo deck our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I'm Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. Please welcome my official partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing from right here in New York City, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, acclaimed journalist, former deputy editor of TV Guide, and former entertainment news correspondent for the Fox News Channel, the lovely and talented Lisa Bernhard. Lisa! Matthew! How are you? I'm fantastic. Are you? How are you, my friend? You had your first Father's Day. I had my first Father's Day. That's exciting. I'm going to give myself applause for that. Go for it. All right, that's that, enough. What did you, that's the biggest cheer that we, I've ever heard on <laughs> I, this show. I get big applause tonight. You were, you've been holding out on that. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Well, well, well deserved. Yeah. I mean, I, as much as I'd like to ignore him, we can't. Our chief cancer anarchist and vice president of grassroots programming, Jack Buffard, is in the house. Hi, guys. Hello, Jack. He gets the two pinky clap together. Two pinky clap. Yeah. Highly oh, what, you ever see this? No one's going to. This is a gesture for radio. 
small round of applause. A round of applause. Yeah, yeah terrible. Than terrible, terrible, terrible. Anyway, we have our uh, Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room, which is, looks like it's on Dude, fire tonight. The chat tonight. room is on fire. Chat room's rocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I must guess. have known that Joe Harrison was in the Survivor Spotlight it's, tonight. It's all about right. Jill. It's all about Jill. Anyway, Jack, again, will be monitoring this live interactive concurrent chat room. If you have questions of our guests, please uh, send them his way. We'll do our best to get them answered. And, of course, our fabulous broadcast production assistant, our young adult survivor, Amanda Freeman, is here tonight. She's not near a mic, however. She's waving. She's waving. So Amanda's here tonight. Um, I did not write down the names of all of our in-studio guests, but... Um, we have Mary Asselin. Mary Asselin. Warwick, Rhode Island. We have Karima Batts is back in the studio. She's, um, she's giving herself a woo. We couldn't even give her a woo. She's got a self-woo. She got a woo last week. Did she? Is yeah. that how that works? She was here. Oh, boy. And uh, Emily Cousins is here. Woo! From the National Resource <laughs> Defense Council. Is that true? That is correct. She's here to make sure we don't do anything We've illegal. We have some fancy visitors. And uh, Tom Snyder, Jill's husband, is here. We have Ooh. fancy visitors and Tom Snyder. Yes, fancy visitors and, and Tom Snyder. This is a packed house on a hot night in New York City. It is, I cannot wait till this room becomes our exclusive studio with four air conditioners. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're lucky we have one. We used to not have one. That is true. This night would not be. It was really, really until bad. We got this air conditioner. But now we have it. Things are moving here. Things are moving We've here. We've got AC, water, bottles and water. And I think I noticed this last week, but uh, I2Y is moving on up. we got brand new offices that we're moving to across the hall. We get to, uh, I've ha- apparently I've had to become an architect. You're a man of many talents. I have to you? add that to my resume. Yeah. So I get to build out uh, our office according to uh, a pipe dream that I don't even know will be feasible. Where's my wing? Well, we're going to have cages hanging from the ceiling. I didn't see my wing on those plans. No, cages. For, we need go-go dancing cages hanging from the ceiling. That's your place. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As and I'm I raging, to... I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> and I get the trapeze. Yes, Jack gets the trapeze. We're going to do one of those zip lines. Nice. <laughs> we're going to do a zip line right across the office. It's going to be Cirque Day I2Y. Yes, exactly, exactly. No, but it's incredible because we're going to build like a mini garage that's going to house all of our crap, uh, which is currently out in the open right now and is very unprofessional and unappealing. We're going to have a kitchenette with a real fridge and a real sink, and uh, uh, Amanda Freeman need, needs us to have a Tosimo coffee maker, um, which apparently she's raising her own money to pay for, which is fantastic. Good. It's the Amanda Needs Coffee Fund. So we'll have more than just a couple of packets of Swiss Miss and some, and some granola bars. Yeah, we'll have those stupid little non-environmentally friendly little, little what are those things called? The, the little coffee? K-cups. K-cups. Thank you, the K-cups, exactly. No, we're going to have all healthy food. Yes, we're Jack, no more Cheetos. We're a foundation. What? Yes. That's about being healthy. Yes, we are. Wait till you see the stuff I bring in. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> hey, just, if, if you're going to feed me, I'll take whatever you got. Exactly, exactly. Dude, this chat room is crazy. This is awesome. We had a good show tonight. I feel like I'm watching the whole Andrew McMahon tour go by because everyone's talking about what shows they're going to yeah, this summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like nice. it when some of the people log in with names, though. We like to know who you are out there. Yeah, we do. We do. Rather than, I mean, we love it. You, look, log on. You can say guest. That's we can say hi to Dylan. He just uh, told us his name in the chat but room. But we can give you more of a personal shout-out, too. When we have Bree, your name. Bree Harrison in the chat room. It's good stuff. Yep. It's good stuff. But, uh, yeah, so we're moving into real offices with real windows, and we're going to convert this current space to do nothing but just the radio show and turn it into, like, a real professional broadcast experience. But today, you may find that hard to believe, but we no, no. turn it into well, a real professional despite broadcast Despite Jack's experience. existence here, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but, yes, I actually signed the lease today. So 
Give yourself another round of applause. Uh, no, that's just going to get one yeah. of these because it's it's, yeah. it's just incredibly laughable. <laughs> that here we are three and a half years later in a real organization. <laughs> We're not working under my basement anymore. We have employees now. It's 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 really cool. You still show up in your underpants though. Underpants. Are <laughs> underpants are optional. Underpants are the soul of man. He's like you know it's like Homer Simpson when he just wanders around. <laughs> Uh, anyway, speaking of underpants. This ever moment is brought to you by Immerman Angels. Be well, number one. So um, that was Johnny Immerman, for those of you out there. We have a lot of listeners tonight, so we want to make sure that all the random references we make are understood by the people out there. Johnny Immerman is a great guy. He's a testicular cancer survivor, and he runs a great organization called Immerman Angels, uh, which is just at ImmermanAngels.org. And uh, it does one-on-one peer support for young adults affected by cancer, which is the gist of our entire program. We are here to support survivors and patients and their friends and caregivers in their teens, 20s, and 30s, which is an amazing population that is finally getting its comeuppance. Uh, everyone in this room practically is a young adult survivor, and uh, it's a testament to how far we've come in the last couple of years to give our generation a voice. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness from the congregation? <laughs> Prima? All right, we got a witness. We got a witness. <laughs> but yeah, so so for all you new listeners out there, uh, you know, probably questioning like who we are and what we do, we are a young adult advocacy foundation that advocates for cancer patients between the ages of 18 and 39. We'd be advocate. We'd be advocating. And the majority of our active members are in their 20s and 30s. Yes. You realize you just said we're an advocacy organization that advocates? <laughs> that's, what, that's why I said that. We're a construction <laughs> company that constructs things. Yeah. We're a coffee shop that sells coffee. <laughs> right. Oh, Jack. And we've given Jack a vice president title. Oh I'm the God. vice president of articulation. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, You're the yes. vice president of advocacy. Fantastic. That's true. Exactly. Yes. But that's what we do. We advocate for people in their 20s and 30s who get cancer. <laughs> <laughs> because people in their 20s and 30s can and do get cancer, and not a lot of people are aware of that. Yes, and Andrew McMahon and Jill Harrison are two of those people. As are we three of those people. As are we three of those people. I'm, and those, people, I'm actually people. three of those people because of the, the voices. Yeah. So if we're looking at this room and canvassing everyone here in the studio tonight, yeah. the one of these things is not like the other is Tom. <laughs> so Tom has to leave right now. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. But actually, Tom's a cancer co-pilot being Jill's husband. That's right. true. And that there are true. a lot of caregivers and BFFs and brothers and sisters of young adults affected by cancer that are in turn affected by cancer. And it's, are a big part of this organization. And, and that's who we advocate they for, being an advocacy foundation. <laughs> yeah. So we're going <laughs> to... Oh, dear God. So we're going to bring in Andrew at around 9.30 or so, but I want to get to our Survivor Spotlight tonight. Every show, we try to highlight a young adult survivor and share their story. We try to find people that have, um, you know, stories of relevance. Not that no one's story isn't relevant, but tonight's uh, Survivor Spotlight is, is a personal friend of mine. But I think she speaks uh, to sort of a surprising statistic uh, for our listeners out there, which is that young adults get lung cancer who don't smoke. When we think of lung cancer, we think of geriatrics who've been smoking for 40 years, or people in their, you know, their or coal miners. Yeah, or you know, black lung disease. And are you, are you a coal miner? Mesothelioma, all those commercials and whatever. But uh, let me introduce her. She's going to get uh, the default music here. What time is it? Nine twelve. That's true. All right, Jill Harrison is a 27-year-old lung cancer survivor. 
She's a freelance theater director, playwright, most recently from New York City and now in Philadelphia, pursuing a master's in fine arts in directing. She recently won a life grant from the Cameron Seamers Foundation for Hope in honor of a play she has written called In Search of Hope, which shares the story of a young adult cancer survivor, her family, friends, and how they learn to deeply embrace life. The play has been workshopped at New York Theater Workshop, and Jill will continue to the development process next month at Temple University. She's been working professionally in theater for over 15 years, and again, lung cancer at 22 years old. Right? Yeah? Okay. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Jill Harrison. Hi, Jill. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And I have to apologize. <laughs> this is how sorry I am. I apologize on the air to 100,000 listeners that I thought in the last three years of our broadcasting you had already been a guest. Well, thank you for and, the apology. And I, you have not been a guest. <laughs> no, I have not. Much to the loss of this show. Oh, well, thank you. I am so honored to be here tonight. Well, she's one of those people that feels like family. Yes, oh, she does. You can tell that already. Hey, I, better tonight. I was at her wedding. <laughs> yes, you were. So I am family. Yes, you are. And this is the first you've had her on. I was not at your wedding, and yeah. I want an explanation why. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jack. Yeah. Matt was representation. I was. Yeah. I was clearly representation. Was Jess there? I don't remember. Yes, she was. That's right. My wife was there, too. Yes, yes. we were both there. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Now, honestly, the best part of the show tonight, folks, is when we have our Survivor Spotlight, take the mic, because it means Jack can't talk. <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We have 62 listeners in the chat room tonight. I am blown away by how active this is. We are very, very Great excited group. to have you all here tonight mm-hmm. to listen to our show, to learn more about our movement, and to obviously uh, talk to Andrew and hear what he's up to with his foundation and his diagnosis. But, Jill, yes. let's talk get started Jill. here. Yes. Jill, you are... How old now? I am 27 years old. And you were diagnosed at? 21. I was close. Yeah. I was close. Okay. Lucky 21. Yeah, lucky 21. All right, so talk us through the, obviously, the 30 or 40 years of cigarette smoking you had. (laughs) Talk us through the living in Florida in Boca. Exactly. Talk us through the cigars and the pipes and the the Frank Sinatra. Were you the original smoking baby before, like, YouTube and CNN? Yes. (laughs) Jill is originally from Honduras. (laughs) Indonesia, right? Indonesia. Jill's the yes. Yes. They grow up so quickly, I tell you. No, I not at all, not at all. Um, I guess they believe it to be in my genes. They think that I was born with a bad gene. Are those Sergio oh, Valenti, yeah. Jordache, Gap? I don't know. Wrangler? <laughs> no, not the expensive kind. Okay. Um, no, so yeah. Cole's, Cole's genes. In, yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, yeah, in my genes, and just kind of came about and um, had to deal with it junior in college and... You know, you you pick up and you keep going. But how so does that? Were, sorry, you, were, you, were you gene tested? Others in your family have the illness? Uh, no, what? it's not hereditary. So I mean, the assu- it's assumption. It I all see, comes I down see. to assumption. Right. So I mean, really lovely, you know, fantastic doctors at Mount Sinai and and uh, hundred medical in my hometown. But uh, yeah, but honestly, they still really to this day have no idea. No so idea. They, they assume that it was in my genes. Right. And I was born with a slow growing tumor. But is there a lung cancer gene? Well, uh, there, it's funny you should mention that. I mean, what, my surgeon is part of a, a study in, at Georgetown, his al- alum, and uh, they are actually trying to research the idea of you could potentially research and find a gene within babies being born 
and whether or not they are, um, have the ability to succumb to certain, so never smoke, don't do this, don't do that. So that's interesting if that potentially could be born with something. So if you smoke and you have the lung cancer gene, does that negate itself? <laughs> I don't but know. That'd be fantastic. That's luck, man. Yeah. <laughs> so how does a 22-year-old or 21-year-old get diagnosed with lung cancer? Uh, you go through a month of what you think is the flu. And you keep going to your health center. Bad cough, that yeah, kind of thing. Bad yeah, bad cough. And I will say to everyone that I can possibly say to, if you are losing weight and you are not trying to lose weight, that is a bad sign. If you are eating regularly and you are losing weight, it is a bad sign. So that is something that I will say to everyone. So you thought you had the flu, essentially? Uh, yeah, yeah, because it kept going away, too. It would just disappear. But my cough stayed with me throughout the entire month. But did they give you Robitussin? Uh, no. Okay. No, they did not. They gave me some, you know, general pill that the health center gives you. Fantastic. <laughs> and when did they finally get to the point, what was it, an x-ray? Uh, yeah, yeah it, okay. was, it was just a general chest x-ray that they finally gave me. And then it went into, you know, all the tests, PET scans, CAT scans, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Did your doctor say something like, but you're too young to have lung cancer? Oh, of course. Actually, the, my general practitioner didn't even want to test me because I didn't have cancer because I'm way too young for that. Right. Yeah. But then once I got to my pulmonary specialist, he looked at me and was like, why in the world haven't you been in my office? Right. <laughs> what took so long for you to get here? And he was great. And him and my surgeon were wonderful. And they felt, they treated me like I was 21 and an adult, and it was wonderful. So walk us through this, uh, the treatment, surgery. Right. Yes, yeah, surgery, I was, I was very fortunate that I did not have to do chemo or radiation because it didn't spread, which was very, very fortunate. Um, yeah. But I had massive lobectomy, they call it. Not a lobotomy. My hometown thought I had a lobotomy. My mother had a great idea. No, that was Jack's <laughs> cancer treatment. <laughs> yeah. my, my mom told me when I was like five that we were going to go get ice cream after I had this little procedure done and things just haven't been better since. Exactly. And that was Jill the mic back. Jack. No, she's the actor. Yeah. Yes. Right. You're yeah. a loser. You're... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, my mom had an idea that she should send me through the local A&P with like, you know, a wrap around my head and just, you know, to perpetuate <laughs> the terrible rumor going around that I had a lobotomy. That you had a lobotomy. <laughs> yes. Lobectomy, which means half of my right lung is gone. Bye bye. It's bye bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but no, but but they got it all with that. They and did. No beyond that, they did. And so I, you know, I get I get um, bronchoscopies every so often, and they'll they'll do a CAT scan every so often. But um, and knock on wood. I try to avoid you know secondhand smoke like the plague. This is the amazing thing. I mean, it reminds me. I mean, she was older than this, but Dana Reeve, Chris Reeve's wife, who was yep. a health fanatic, yep. not and, only didn't smoke, right. but had mm -hmm. do yoga, all kinds of health foods, I mean, and lung cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. There's actually a kid in my town that was uh, 23 years old, recently diagnosed with lung cancer, never smoked a day in his life, and very similar to your story, Joe, where it's just like, you know, what the hell is going on? Yep. You know, I, I lived my whole life being healthy, and then I got hit with this, and unfortunately, that's something that a lot of us young adults go through. Is just our cancer comes out of nowhere because there's no way to screen for it or I'm sorry, Jack. Quid pro quo. Name the restaurants you ate at on through Foursquare on your trip to Seattle. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, it started with Wendy's at JFK Airport. Yeah. And then uh, Krispy Kreme donuts yesterday afternoon. Uh, Applebee's for dinner. And uh, and then I had uh, like a, a munchy mix of uh, trail mix with M and M's and stuff for breakfast on the plane this morning. Yeah. And then when I got to the office, I had Domino's pizza, and I just finished my Chinese food. The official position of I two Y is we do not endorse anything that Jack Buffard says or does. Exactly. <laughs> do not. There is a live plausible deniability that he still exists in yes, person. Yes. <laughs> right. He's so, a hologram. Jill, did you happen to see this on Facebook? We got an, uh, a a ghoul alert about young adult cancer. 
There was another girl named Jill who was 22 that was just diagnosed with lung cancer and is part of a website called Longevity. We're going to have them on the show next season to do a show on. We'd love to have you back to talk about lung cancer and adults. But in all seriousness, like, what are the odds that there's another girl named Jill in her early 20s? We want to connect the two of you, take I a really picture of it, that. and watch the, watch the wormhole open <laughs> into the Stargate. That would be awesome. That yeah. would be so cool. Yeah, indeed. Well, I want to hear more about what you're now doing with your career. You're a theater director. And tell us more because you, you've t- obviously tied your work into what you've gone through with your health. Absolutely. Well, I felt when I was going through it, um, I felt like there was no other way. I mean, people would say, what do you, you know, what do you need? How can I help? And normally I would have no idea what to say to people. It's just, you, what do you say? You have no idea what you need. How can you <laughs> convey it to someone else? And what was I going through? No one can relate, especially, I mean, my colleagues that were 20. I mean, sure. so I decided to start writing things down. And then the best way that I knew how to do that was through a monologue. So through play, through the idea of when you put an audience in a space, the best way that they can emulate is through or relate is through someone else telling their story and sharing that experience. So slowly but surely I started putting, I took it completely to all writing and then I took all the writing out and just did all movement. So it had many, many levels. And then finally... All movement as in dance? Correct, yeah. All, all physical movement. So that was the right. next step of it. And I was like, okay, this is some neat imagery and emotions. Right. Um, so I said, well, how can I combine both? And so then I decided, too, you know, there's more than just my story. And this is one around when I found that, and I'm too young for this. And so I interviewed about 30 survivors and uh, decided to start weaving all of our stories together. And I decided, I, I'm not a playwright. I mean, this is my first play. I'm more a director. You are now. I am now. <laughs> and a lot, I took this idea to a lot of my playwright friends, and they were like, every time we, we were kind of you know, riffing off of things and stuff, and they would finally be like, this is your story. This is your thing to tell, so you know, let's do it. So I did, and I, it took me about six months. I won a grant for it, which also helps to continue that process. And I have a full-length play. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It so is. now you're back. You're you're you graduated from Temple University. So you're Not, I'm in it. I'm you're actually, in it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, okay. I'm I'm almost done with my first year of grad school. Cool. Yes, at Temple. And so I'm going to continue the process. I'm workshopping the play again, actually next month at Temple. So I'm excited. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I also have to point out that when Jill met me for the first time, it was like day two <laughs> that I I existed. I was literally working out of my basement mm-hmm. in this house I lived in in Brooklyn in, in like, December of two, 2005. Right. Well, and, yeah. And, well, because I thought I had Googled young adults and cancer when I started my process. And it up came Matt, and I'm too young for this. And I thought it was like, oh, my God, and I hit the jackpot. <laughs> and I really did because then I got to be a part of the whole process, which has been so exciting. And her entire play is based on my life story. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or isn't there, it? There are right. Well, I could be wrong themes. about that. Entirely wrong. <laughs> Reoccurring themes, that's for sure. Intensely wrong about that. Yes. <laughs> um, and I do actually. You know, I know Andrews will be on in, in a short five, six minutes. Um, but I also want to want to share that I mean, Andrews' music has also been a, a big proponent of me writing my play. Um, there's been, you know, people will talk about writing books and have that inspiration of music, and I mean his. And you, and uh, really? So you must read an album. Oh, absolutely. And that inspired you to write? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Swim is a huge, huge proponent. Fantastic yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. And it, was, it literally was playing as I was writing. So cool. it was great getting to... Uh, my sister and I got to meet him, and Jack got to meet him at his concert uh, last October. And I, thought you so said, I thought you were going to say, you, and you got to meet Jack. Uh, I was like, well, that's, <laughs> well, that's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Seeing him right now. I don't want to know what Jack's mannequin is. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> Right, exactly. That's just a, the yeah. worst euphemism in the history of the show. 
Nineteen. No, but didn't you interview like some young adult survivors that I knew? Oh well. Oh my gosh. I inv- yes. I interviewed Mr. Jack. I interviewed. But I didn't know Lindsay. Jack until like the spring of '08. But I interviewed them after we had met. Oh. Yeah. This was actually in the very first office we had. Oh, in thirteen eighteen upstairs. Yeah. Ah. It was uh, it was myself, Lindsay Brass, Loretta, Danette, um, Michael. Her was it Michael? Did you interview Lynn Lane? No. Oh, I didn't, but I know Lynn now. Okay. Yeah, because Lynn did a, a vo- the Voices of Survivors. Right, right, right. He's excellent. That's a whole other wonderful shout-out. And again, for our listeners, Lynn Lane is a video documentarian cancer survivor under 40 who runs an organization called Voices of Survivors. You can Google it. It is um, it's an extraordinary effort to catalog something like one-minute or two-minute biopic segments of as many cancer survivors as possible. His uh, organization has exploded, so if you know any young adults who are cancer survivors that want to share their story, just hop on over to VoicesOfSurvivors.org, reach out to Lynn, and let him know you'd like to be part of his project. It's amazing what, what's happened there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's your what's your goal? What's your dream? Broadway? <laughs> you want to play the White House? It's funny you should mention that. My sister asked me that yesterday. She was like, oh, you, you know, Broadway, right? Broadway. And I said, you know, this is going to sound a little bit snobby, but to me, I feel like I, I want the right project. To me, it makes sense of being passionate about what you do and not necessarily because it's at Broadway level. Um, I think Off-Broadway here is one of my absolute favorite entertainment centers in the world. Um, so that, I mean, my, my largest goal would be work at a Playwrights Horizons or a New York City workshop. Um, so that, I mean, and directing would be great. Um, I've been finding artistic direction to be kind of a fancy thing lately, too. This is, is a, it's a fun process. Um, but for my play, I go back and forth. For my play, I, I would love for it to be at the, you know, the, the greatest level of um, exposure possible, but I also then want to be very safe for it and protect it and protect the voices in it. So I, I go back and forth. But lately I've been, if I you know, find the right group that wants to be a part of it and wants to produce it and um, want to get a, a nice platform for it, I think that would be my ideal goal for the play. So, Joe, tell us, lastly, you're incredibly upbeat. I mean, <laughs> listening to you, no, you're like a cheerleader. I mean, you're just, you're exuberant. You're enthusiastic. It's nauseating, isn't it? <laughs> Can't you just be like Once a cynical again, New York Jew like me? Once again, <laughs> another guest that has Matthew. been together, and we really, it just blows us away. No, but tell us, because Matthew and I were kind of joking about this before the show, that there was, a, you know, in the never-ending studies that come out, and sometimes we have to laugh and say, you know, who, who kind of comes up with this and spends their time on it? But there was a study about how, you know, breast cancer patients do better when they've got some sort of counseling. It's yeah. like... Making you feel good will make you feel good, you know. Uh, yeah. And um, but, <laughs> but uh, so, what was it for you that you've got so much exuberance, so much positivity? Was it your family, your friends? Sure. Did Absolutely. you act? Did you have to seek counseling? All, what what all is of it for you above. that's keeping holding you so together? D, all of the above. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, my my family's endless support. My friends' endless support. I mean, my friends who are literally. I mean, I. I exuberance is what gets you through but I mean there were moments where I was literally as a junior in college under my desk not knowing where I was going because I was just so distraught sure because you're in a world that you don't understand anymore yeah um so I and therapy I mean I have a whole scene in my in my play one of my my best friends is uh has her master's in counseling psychology and she would on a regular basis go see someone go see someone and oh that to me at that point was like oh that's failure 
Right. It's like, absolutely not. It is, you are brave to go talk to someone. I agree. It's, it's nothing. And a lot of people feel that way, that it is failure. Yeah. But, it is, but, it, but it's exactly no, what you say. No, it's bravery. It's strength. Right. Yeah. To face it, to confront it, to get everything out. Absolutely. And so, and all of that. And I continue it, too, because I think that's also important for people who have had it and, and are, quote, unquote, moving on. It's always going, someone was just saying, it's always going to be a part of your life. Mm-hmm. You never really leave it. So to right. continue that process is so important. Right. That's what I think. Cheerleader Jill. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Well, we got to wrap this segment, but you're sticking around because your boyfriend's going to be on the show in a few minutes. Exactly. Don't tell my husband. Who's sitting right here? (laughs) Tom, I'm not going to tell you that her boyfriend's going to be on the show in a few minutes. But, uh, I think Andrew, yeah, I think Andrew's married too, though. Oh, I, yes, yes, he is. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank sorry, you, Jill. Sorry, Jack. All right, Jill Harrison, everybody. Jill Harrison. <laughs> so uh, we got just a few more minutes. I wanted to just talk about uh, some other stuff going on. Uh, many of you know that um, again, it was my first Father's Day, and my kids are now seven weeks old. Um, but. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the people listening are my Facebook stalkers, but I, I have to just mention that uh, I, I want to thank everybody for continuing to pillage my Facebook wall and let everyone know how adorable they think my kids are and how useless <laughs> and exhausted <laughs> and torn apart I look as a father who hasn't slept in seven weeks. So uh, what do we got in the news? Anything important to talk about? Well, we talked about we talked about that, um, as you like to call it, Captain Obvious study. You know, there was something interesting that that came up. I love these kind of quirky stories. Youngest male breast cancer patient, father's miracle baby. Evidently, in Missouri, there's a guy who's 25 who, as far as anybody knows, is the youngest man to be diagnosed with breast cancer because, of course, it does happen. And he had three kids, and now his wife just gave birth to a son. They said that they, he wouldn't be able to have another child. Um, amazing story, though. So if you think that you're a young woman at 25 whose doctors don't believe you that you have breast cancer, imagine if you're a young man at 25. I, I can only, again, <laughs> imagine what... No, I know I'm reading into this, but if he's the youngest male breast cancer survivor that fathered a, a, a child, when they removed his breast, do they give him a uterus? <laughs> That's funny. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I'm not. Thank you, Matt. Uh, oh, I do what I can. No, and there was also something that, like coffee is now good for you, and then coffee was bad for you, and the sugar is sugar. good for you, and sugar is bad for you, and cell phones do and don't cause cancer every day, and you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. All good news. Yeah. Fantastic. I do stay away from those um, gadgets in your ears. What do you call them? Blanking on the name of them. Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Yeah. The Bluetooth can't be any good. No, Come certainly on. not. Better than crashing your car. <laughs> And it's I a great way so. for kids or friends to get away with it, because if you just wear your headset and mumble to yourself, everyone assumes you're on a phone call. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask. Jack, we talked about this last week briefly, but before we bring on Andrew, I just have to ask you one more time. Yes. Please tell me that you really actually saved somebody from a burning car that spun out of control in front of you. Okay. I like how the car is now burning a week later. <laughs> but, yes, I did witness a, a car flip in front of me, land on its roof, and I went over there Dove right in and pulled the woman out through the back seat. But the car was not on fire. I was not in a puddle of gasoline. My muscles were not shimmering in the summer sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> Groundskeeper Willie style. Right. <laughs> but I did get a little boo-boo on my finger. And apparently the EMTs don't give a shit about the boo-boo on the finger of the guy who rescued the driver. They're more concerned about tending to the driver. Oh, boy. So it took a little while. but You don't uh, get any respect. It healed. You get no respect. 
And then I went to McDonald's and celebrated with two Big Macs and a vanilla edition. Of course you did. Oh, my God. Oh, dear God. Well, we want to give a really quick uh, shout-out to um, to a young adult survivor who passed away this week. Uh, she's very special. We met her last year at the ASCO conference in right. Chicago. Uh, her name is Kristen Martinez. She fought very, very oh, yeah. bravely. And uh, special thanks to Jen Pates for keeping me in the loop about her. Uh, you will be Miss Kristen. Rest in peace. I met her at the Young Survival Club. And uh, a yeah. strong girl, really strong girl. So we live in a world where this actually does happen. We try not to make the show intensely serious all the time, but there is a reality about what we do. But on that note, uh, we will move to a fantastic transition because this is why we are here tonight. And it's not Elton John, actually. Elton John's on? Oh. No, not Elton John. You get to wear fancy glasses? I like this theme song because we're all still standing, you know? That's right. We are. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, at the age of 22, Andrew McMahon, who's the front man for the band Jack Mannequin, was diagnosed with acute lymphatic leukemia, otherwise known as ALL, not to be confused with the detergent. During his battle, it became clear to him that there were still major shortfalls in treatment, support, and research on behalf of the young adult demographic. That's our team. In an effort to initiate change and provide a voice for the generations of young adults who have been diagnosed with cancer, he founded the Dear Jack Foundation in July of 2006. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, please, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Man. Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. How you guys doing? Everyone in the chat is calling you Andy. Can we call you Andy? You can call me whatever you like. Okay, you can Jack. call him Mr. McMahon. Uh, can I call you Mannequin? <laughs> call me, yeah, call me Mr. Mannequin. Mr. Mannequin. Okay, <laughs> done. Is that Al Gore? We'll get Kim Cattrall. <laughs> Dude, we've been chasing you. It's so great to have you on the show. We, we, we are all of our Washington, D.C. groupie people who hung out with you last, last fall are actually here in the studio tonight. Oh, killer! That's awesome. Oh, at the uh, at the uh, show at the synagogue, right? Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. We, I we stupid cancers that place up something fierce. <laughs> yes, you guys. <laughs> you certainly did. How you guys doing? We are doing We're fabulous. Uh, Jill, who was on the show in our spotlight, is your Uber groupie, and she's here tonight because she was at the con- the concert in D.C. Well, hello, uh, Jill. And her husband's here, but he doesn't count right now. Oh, is this who, is this who He I doesn't exist right now because <laughs> she's beat red and going, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. I, 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 I got to hear the last part of that little conversation. I was wondering if I'd get to talk to her. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. All right, come on, Jill. Come on. All right. <laughs> she's hiding. Okay, good. Fair She's enough. not going to hear what he's... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Hang on com- one second. She's coming out of hiding. All right. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Jill. How are you? <laughs> Very well. What's really funny is that my sister, Brienne, is even more of a fan of yours. So oh, there you well, are. So there's well, even beautiful. more. Yeah, so she says hello. And apparently we'll tell Brianna I say hello as well. Please, thank you. And she'll be seeing you in August, so I'm sure you'll see her again. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. Thank you for your work. It's really beautiful work. Oh, okay. thank you guys for what you're doing. I love the pro- what I've heard of the program so far. Appreciate it greatly. Very Thanks. nice. All right. All right, Jill, you can go home now without Tom and have fun. She just crossed that off her bucket list. <laughs> Very nice. Stop Very nice. Me. Tom's going to be a happy guy tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> Someone have the Andrew McMahon plastic mask. <laughs> Please say okay. there's not a plastic mask. Okay. <laughs> no, we got a cardboard cutter of you. That's okay. okay. It's, it'll, it'll do. It's it'll a do. mannequin. It's not Jack's mannequin. <laughs> okay, so, dude, it's so so great to have you on the show. I mean, obviously, we talk about young adults and the fact that we can and do get cancer. 
I, I always love when when people embrace that this is a generational thing, that we are underserved, that no one seems to really care about who we are, what we do, and the, the entire establishment just doesn't get it. So yeah. we like to tap into that anger and that hostility and give people permission to be pissed and give back to the greater good of this cause. Which, in a happy way. In a happy way. No, <laughs> right. no. Yeah, we don't like throw blood on you know, fur coats and, you know, kill doctors and stuff. We don't do any of that stuff. But you uh, but, guys, I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot to be done, so it's good to hear somebody's out there doing it. Yes, exactly. So, so talk us through this. When did you first start uh, being a musician? Was that in, in your blood? Were you like that, that uh, kid that did the, do you see that Brazilian boy? He's two. He, he does the, the crazy samba stuff on YouTube. I didn't see that, but I saw the sixth grader do Lady Gaga on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I was probably a little bit more like the sixth grader than the uh, than the samba kid, because I was. That was about when I started. That was like you know, like probably fourth grade was when I started playing. Right. And yeah, that was the that was the thing. I don't know. I I actually you know, it, by by some strange coincidence, you know, it was actually uh, my my uncle uh, passing away from melanoma that that sort of led me to the piano. I kind of started writing writing songs uh, like as a as a coping mechanism to deal with sort of what was the first my first view of, of death at a young age you know and and uh that's sort of how i ended i mean i all i spent a year kind of writing songs about you know my uncle who had passed away and i was about nine years old when that was uh when that happened and you know really have sort of never never changed directions or turned back since so talk us through a little bit um, of your diagnosis, and it was 2005, is that right? That's correct, yeah. It was, uh, it was actually in, I guess, what, late May, early June of 2005. Of and it, it coincided with actually, your album coming out. Yeah, well, I, I, made, I had just finished the record. I mean, we, we had kind of been working on the record on and off throughout, uh, you know, starting around the summer of 2004, and... Um, and had had pretty much just put the finishing touches on it. We were I was in a mastering session in in New York City, where we were you know which is basically just kind of where they stitch all of the finished tracks together, kind of get all the volumes equal level. You know, it's kind of the last part of the process before you right. turn it over to the label. Um, and and yeah, I had seen my doctor the day before because I had been experiencing tons of trouble with my voice on tour and I was out of breath and you know all those all those kind of symptoms that you you hear about. Um, and and sure enough, I, I kind of got out of the uh, out of the studio to take a break um, from the session, and and my phone had been lit up with like a half a dozen messages from the doctor. Um, you know, when I called him back, he just said I was I was super. You know, my blood was was basically a third of you know what it it should be to you know to be functioning, and and you know they sent me right to the uh, right to the the hospital in the city. So you were 22 years old at this point, is that right? That's correct. You're on the precipice. This was the first Jack's Mannequin album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, we had, I, we had just moved on from doing the something corporate stuff, and and right. uh, and yeah, this was kind of the big, the big first shot with uh, with Jack's Mannequin. Right, something corporate being your other band. Right. So you're 22. You're just you're just about to release this album. Your whole life is right there. It's kind of like you're at this door where the rest of your life is going to begin, and you get hit with this diagnosis. Yeah, that's Absolutely. incredible. I mean, to, to to have all those happen simultaneously at such a young age when you just think, my gosh, I've been playing the piano since the fourth grade. Yeah. You know, we've got this incredible album. You're touring and hit with this. To have that all come together at that point, I mean, what was that like for you to go through emotionally? Uh. 
You know, it was it was interesting. It was a, it was a it was a strange time in my life period for a million other reasons. You know, uh, uh, and and frankly, when it when it happened, it, it, at, at least the initial before I mean before we even heard the diagnosis, because there was a good there was a good you know I, it happened on on a Memorial Day weekend. So I got they found it on the Friday and rushed me into the hospital so I could see the doctor before essentially a lot of people went on vacation, mm-hmm. and I didn't end up finding out until like a week later. But at the moment that they sort of were like, well, it's either aplastic you know anemia or leukemia or whatever you know i i had sort of been i had been pretty burnt out and working so hard that in this really bizarre sort of whatever i i kind of made peace with it quickly you know i i i found out a week later and it was just like okay well for whatever reason this is what's happening and that said like a lot of the a lot of the lyrics in the first record if you listen to them you know have this bizarre sort of sense of foreshadowing you know there's the first line on the album is she thinks i'm much too thin she asked me if i'm sick you know and, wow. and, and, and it sort of spins out from there that i in some way i felt like uh, i felt like it, it, it was coming you know um, i am not letting you write anything for me ever <laughs> yeah right no i know it's crazy so uh, there's this uh you know there was this you know i i, I think i i felt you know i i felt blessed in a sense to have this album of these kind of with all these kind of strange hints at, and in references to being sick and all of a sudden here I am and I am sick, you know, that I was, that, that I, I sort of took it as a sign that this is what I was being dealt and that I needed to kind of, uh, I needed to kind of gear up and, and that this was the fight that was here, you know, I, uh, but I did make peace pretty quickly, I felt like. Where were you treated? Uh, well, I was, I was diagnosed at uh, a New York Presbyterian hospital um, uh, and, uh, you know, the doctors really wanted to keep me there. Um, you know, because I, I was obviously in such a bad, I was in bad shape when they found me. My white count was almost, you know, was almost down to zero, as I recall. And um, and I ended up kind of playing the card with with some of my managers and record company and agency and every, you know, we all kind of, they all kind of chipped in and got me a plane home because I couldn't fly commercial and uh, ended up being treated at UCLA. And did I, I guess this is the question we ask a lot of young adults. Were you at all made aware that there was a national movement on behalf of you and your entire generation to give people like you the right support where you're not in a group full of geriatrics? Well, you know, I, I got to be honest. No, I wasn't aware of that. And frankly, it's like even even five years later now, you know, that I've been in remission, I, I, I feel like I feel like there, there's you know you don't hear about it enough and that's kind of you know part of the reason we started the foundation you know and now in in this in this recent year why we're transitioning the foundation away from just leukemia research and you know into basically young adult cancer period right and uh, i'm i am your new bff whether you like it or not (laughs) we all are god bless you my friend you're you're stuck with us well no this is good i mean you know it's good to know that there are people out there i mean for me when I started the foundation, you know, my and when I and when I started donating money to research and and you know and and to support service and things like that, you know, I I had tons of tons of doors thrown up immediately in my face, you know, where where I said, well, I want to fund research for this bracket, this age bracket of these 15 to 39 year olds who like, you know, who who every year I read a different article about how their survival rates are the only. Uh, that haven't improved in 30 years, you know, and uh, and for those first five years, to be honest, I had a whole lot of people saying, well, there isn't that research doesn't really exist because there aren't enough cases, and you know, you hear a lot of excuses, 
And finally, you know, this year after, you know, the foundations, you know, donated somewhere in the neighborhood of, a, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars between our work with Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and my own work on the road, you know, I finally just said, I finally sat down with all the people that we've been working with. I said, no, you're going to need to figure this out. We, this is where we need to put our money from now on. And uh, and some of those walls are starting to come down, and, and it sounds like, you know, that people are starting to hear this cry from a lot of places, not just from me, <laughs> finally, you know. And, and then all of a sudden I feel like there is some hope, and we're, we're starting to see some new opportunities for that. So, Andrew, tell us, I know you, you basically you took a camera and you documented um, the treatment that you went through for your film, Dear Jack, and right. there are other young people who are involved in this. Uh, you got uh, stem cells from your sister, is that right? I was yes, I was inc- incredibly blessed. I, uh, I I'm the youngest of five kids, but uh, but only my sister and I are both uh, you know are both full-blooded siblings. And so the chances of her being a match, I think they said, were somewhere in the neighborhood of like 18 to 25 percent. And magically, she was a full match across the board. Wow. And and. Uh, it seems to me also like we are. Uh, he should be very grateful that you've uh, also lent cr- tremendous video credibility to uh, Motley Crue's Tommy Lee. Is that right? For <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> Tommy has been a good friend to me, and at, at, right around that particular period of time, we were we were working quite a bit together. I was writing music for him for for a record that he was putting out, and he was playing drums for for me on my record. So, uh, you know, I, I, I decided to steal a little bit of his celebrity to uh, <laughs> to help us push the movie forward a little bit and, and get some more attention and on the he, film. He narrates for you, and he's yep. probably happy that he's known for another film or uh, other than <laughs> his, his Pam Anderson. Uh, a film with some credibility. I've never even kind hey, of, come I've on, that was a good film. It, I've never even put it in that context. But, yeah, I mean, I wonder if we're, if we're to- only Tommy's second movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is some good credits for IMDb right and there. And you know what? I think I'm the only one out there that has copies of both. <laughs> you might be surprised. But don't worry. I'll watch yours someday. <laughs> uh, fair enough. You know, yeah, Andrew, I can't it's, blame you. I think that one's got a little bit more, uh, is a little bit more uh, uh, fun, at least. Well, well Dr. Mannequin, I have a question for you. What you got? I, I think it's really, really relevant that you are made aware of the, the, the sort of the... the um, the hypocrisy of cancer research, in the sense, right. uh, we're involved with Stand Up to Cancer, and I'd love to have a right. deeper conversation with you about that because they are really at the cusp of reimagining what cancer research can do. Right. Um, there is no young adult cancer research in the traditional sense, but thanks to the Obama administration, there is now a loosely funded uh, tissue bank study going on at the National. Cancer Institute for Young Adult Biology and Epidemiology. It's the very first of its kind. Uh, we're indirectly involved with that, which is uh, sort of setting the stage that we're a generation that needs to be treated as an age bracket instead of a disease bracket like pediatrics does. Um, right. But the difference between traditional cancer research and what standards cancer is trying to do is the difference between basic research, which is, you know, cigarettes cause cancer, and right. translational research, which is we can make this a pill in five years. So right. the, the genomics of translational research is really what's going to wind up benefiting the young adult cancer community. And I'll end with an anecdote, which I always like to tell people that are intelligent and understand this stuff, and that's why Jack has no idea what I'm talking about. What? <laughs> is, is that the – are you familiar with the Herceptin by any means? Uh, uh. 
Herceptin is like a miracle drug that they give to women with breast cancer. Okay. And it's genomic. Like, it basically, if you have a specific HER2 positive gene, you take this medicine, and it basically, the breast cancer doesn't get worse, but it doesn't get better, and you live with it. Like, cancer is a chronic disease. Interesting. The HER2 gene was discovered in a pediatric neuroblastoma, in a little kid. Okay. So, which basically means that it's irrelevant to the breast tissue. It's all about what gene you have. And now they're giving Herceptin to young men with colon cancer. Of course, they're showing that young men with colon cancer are HER2 positive. So it's not about the kind of tumor you had or the kind of disorder you had. It's about where your genes are. And that's exactly right. along the lines of what Standard to Cancer is doing, which I think it's – I'm on a, 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 you know, um, a, a soapbox all day every day trying to explain to people if you really want to make a difference, fund translational molecular genomic research, because that's the only thing that's going to really help young adults uh, you know, step up in the world. But I, I can't tell you how much I commend you for really, you know, starting to drink the Kool-Aid and being aware of that this movement is just so grossly underserved and we really need big voices like yours out there making making waves, making noise, and making a stink. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm trying to sell it, too. You know, so, I mean, we definitely want, I mean, we're hoping, you know, and this year is kind of really the first year that we're we're focusing specifically on this this young adult age bracket, you know, and, and in doing so, you know, I've, I've you know had the pleasure. I, I sat down with the guys at uh, at USC. You know they're they're starting they're starting to open up a hospital where you know these people will be this age bracket will be treated specifically. You know what I mean? And and, and these are the kinds of things we're trying to find because they are like you're saying it's hard to find it's hard to find places and people who are focusing on these sorts of things. And you know I've only found now a couple of hospitals who are who are saying wait a minute maybe we we are we're looking at this wrong. We can't treat this as you know, you're this age, you're treated as an adult, you're this age, you're treated as a child. It's like, no, you're this age, you need to be treated as yourself. I mean, that was what I faced when I got leukemia. You know, I, I, I was told, well, do you want to be treated as a child in a children's facility or do you want to be treated as an adult and essentially, you know, be, you know, be surrounded by people who are, you know, 20, 30 years older than you, you know, and, and hope that you're going to get the right treatment, you know. And, and I was blessed to have a, a fantastic doctor who, who really worked with me and worked with the protocols to kind of, you know, hedge our bets. But, you know, I don't think as many people, you know, out there are as lucky as I was, that's for sure. Andrew, I'd love us, uh, for us to play some of your music while we have you on the show here. And sure. Swim is just an amazing, amazing song that we've Thank been talking you. about here. Uh, and uh, actually, Jill, uh, your married girlfriend, Jill, yeah. was talking about how she was specifically inspired uh, to write her play, which she had that on in the background. Uh, first time I heard that song, I was blown away. Before we play it, do you uh, you want to talk to us about writing that song? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people think that this song is specifically about, you know, you know what I faced with, you know, being sick. And I think, you know, and I heard you guys kind of touching on this, you know, as I as I got on the call, which I think a lot of really what Swim and was actually about was was sort of the, the the malaise you feel in in the process of of recovering. You know, once your body's on the other side, but your your mind isn't. You know, and I think uh, you know I, I I certainly struggled with a, a good amount of, of depression and a lot of, and, a, and a serious you know crisis of confidence in those in those years that followed kind of my body recovering. Um, and you know, and, and swim was really kind of one of those. <laughs> one of those particularly dark moments where it could have gone either direction and and you know the idea behind it was you know we all sort of have these these things and these these things you know 
knocking around in our brains that keep us down, but, you know, to, it's always good to keep your head above water if you can. I think that's a good point. The emotional fallout often comes after you're taking the active steps to heal your body. You almost can't often deal with the emotion at that point. It's too much. And then once that treatment stops, you can kind of look back and go, wow, where do I go now? Where Absolutely. does my life go now? So, uh that's a great point. But anyway, so Matthew, shall we... Uh... All right, ladies and gentlemen, what album is this from, Andy? It's on the, uh, the Glass Passenger. All right, this is Swim from Glass Passenger.
What I, lo- I, I actually, I love, I don't know if you can, uh, we've got so much applause, of course. Andrew, I don't <laughs> I know if you... I didn't know there were so many people there. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we've a, got a pack. We're in Giant Stadium, actually. It's a clown not, car. It's really just, it's just a big clown car. Yeah, well it? done. Uh, I don't know if you can see this, Andrew, but what's so cool is that all the folks in the chat room are just spitting out lines to the song as the song's playing. It's great. They all know the lyrics, and they're oh, just type- awesome. they were just typing away as the song was playing. Half, half of them are in tears right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I think you it's have such, some people that like it's you. It's such an inspirational song. That was a big one for me. I mean, you know, you know, that's always been sort of you know how music has played out in my life. You know, period. You know, you know, sort of. Aside from just this experience, you know, uh, you know, I, I sort of use songs to try and get get me through to the other side, you know, and that was definitely that was definitely one of those uh, one of those tunes that that was that was big in that department for me. Can I? Uh, we, I think we want to get to some some, uh, some questions in the chat room here for a second, but I, I just have to ask you, Andrew, you you write beautiful lyrics. You've obviously been through a very adult situation. Uh, you're a smart guy. You're well-spoken. Talk to me, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this, and I think your fans are too, as somebody who's covered entertainment for a long time. A lot of the music that comes out now, I, I, do you relate to it? I, I kind of feel like you're in this really interesting spot where you're a young guy who's writing really smart stuff. You're really adult, but there's so much out there that's so, you know, obviously – manufactured and inane lyrics and empty and hollow and where do you see your oh, come on mbop was my anthem in high what? school you know i think <laughs> kind of like hey, you know i like the hansen kids. Yeah, hey, no, party no, in the usa I'm is not, a great fucking song i'm not no, i'm not knocking hansen uh <laughs> at all uh but i'm just where do you see yourself fit in this world i mean obviously you've got a strong following you've got strong fans but how tough is that for you or not, and how do you relate or not, and having gone through something so serious, being able to write these smart lyrics in an industry that's not necessarily looking for that all the time? Well, you know, I, you know, I, th- I think it, go- it goes both ways. I mean, I th- ever since I was, you know, ever since I was young and listening to music, there is a, there's going to be a host of garbage available and a host of stuff that you're not, you know, that, that, that is kind of what you're talking about, this sort of a... a you know, manufactured. You know, for for quick consumption. Um, that said, I think you know, in the in this in this age, you know, there's so much access to so you know to to you know to the internet as far as being able to get great music and and look for it elsewhere besides some of the more standard kind of commercial uh, outposts. You know that that I, I find myself you know digging a lot of a lot of new music. You know. Where where that leaves me and where I fit, uh, you know, that's something that that uh, I think in a in a commercial sense we've always struggled with. I mean, even from the days of something corporate on to now, you know, that it's a uh, it's a it's a battle to get you know to get my music played at radio, and it's a battle to get uh, you know to get uh, sort of some of those those larger, more commercial avenues to to bend you know to the the kind of music I make. Um, but that said, you know, like you're talking about, I I've been really blessed with a, a you know, with a following, you know, and, and and with the opportunities that I've had to kind of play live and get out and sort of, you know, do it in a grassroots, very, you know, kind of more organic way, and and you know, so I I think that that ends up being where I fit is sort of uh you know in this culture that that we've created around you know the music that I make and you know and and 
you know, and thanks, you know, thank God to those to those kids who make it possible for me to actually play shows and 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 write these songs, um, you know, from my perspective rather than kind of caving to you know to to a more kind of convoluted mass, I suppose, so well, I could you know so I could reach that. I don't know. Sure, let's go to those kids. I think Jack's compiling some questions here that they've been sure. dying to ask. Yeah, you. ironically, all of these questions were addressed to dear Jack. Oh, Dear Jack, please ask Andrew this. Dear Jack, please ask Andrew that. Ah, I see, I see. All right, you have so, Jack in the building. I'm, it's making sense to me now. He's trying to be funny. I'm trying. I, I get it. I'm with you. I, I was, it, the, the joke, it took a minute, but now I'm, I'm laughing inside. Wow, so you, so you actually got it relatively quickly because you didn't require an explanation. <laughs> but, Andrew, seriously, we have, like, a lot of your fans in our chat room, and we, would love to, and we honestly love the fact that uh, we can uh, – introduce our show and our advocacy work and our foundation to your audience. Um, yeah, and we have, we, have a, we have a few questions and a few comments. Um, okay. First of all, uh, one of our, our volunteer leaders in Florida, Erica, who you actually met at the D.C. event that we were at together, um, right. has a question. She's a survivor, and she, uh, she says here, many people who were going through their cancer treatment were inspired by Dear Jack, and did you ever think that it would help survivors deal with their own survivorship the way that it helped her? You know, it's interesting. I think you know, my my gut told me that we had had to finish and and put out Dear Jack for a reason. And truthfully, uh, I had a, I had questions along the way as to who it would affect, who it would impact it, who it would help, if anybody. You know, um, so to for me to hear that, uh, you know, is music to my ears. To be honest, to hear that that survivors and people who are going through it currently are are finding it as a as a a, a helpful resource you know cuz i wasn't sure you know like I, I tried to put myself in the position of like do, would i have watched that you know if i had known that somebody whose music i i liked or or whatever if i had known that, that existed when i when i got sick would i have watched and I, I to be honest i wasn't sure if i would have um you know so just to hear that it, it you know it makes me feel it makes me feel good to be honest you know cuz you know, we were curious where where it would end up and whose whose hands it would be uh, in, and 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 who it would affect the most. So that you know that that makes. Well, me you should good. own it. You should own this. You, you you made it happen. You did it. You're inspiring tens of thousands of people. Well, that means a lot to me. Yeah, and, except Jack. And no, he inspires me. <laughs> Liar. Why you why you? Ask How am I getting in the front of all this? <laughs> ask the question. Ask the question. Ask the question, Jack. But we have a lot of comments. You know, based on, on what. Erica just said, and, and others, um, but like a lot of the comments are like, after watching Dear Jack, your attitude through the entire process inspires them to become better people and to just keep their head above. And um, especially this, uh, we, have, we have a young girl named Lottie who's from the New York area, and she sent me an email the other day, and I want to read it to you. It says, sure. my name is Lottie, and I was happy to see Andrew McMahon is going to be on your show. He is a true role model to me. I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma last year when I was 15, and his music and everything he's done has done so much for me. I saw his documentary, Dear Jack, at the New York premiere. It is an amazing documentary capturing the good and the bad cancer throws at you and how to turn something negative into a positive. He's helped me and so many other people go through this, and it would, be, it would mean a lot to me to thank him. Oh, well, tell her thank you for me. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know she's listening right now with her whole family, and her name's Lottie. Well, thank and, you, Lottie. And, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I appreciate it. You know, to me, you know, for... From where I am, you know, the person I thank for that is, you know, is is my uncle. You know, I have a I have a tattoo on my right arm that I got years before I I got sick that says "Be positive." You know, and 
my uh, my uncle, as he was passing from melanoma, um, constantly and regularly was telling you know was telling jokes and was just just had the most amazing attitude. But he he was he be positive was his mantra, you know, and and throughout everything, including the the hardest darkest days, all the way till the end, you know, he 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 said to us and you know constantly, you, you know, this is I know this is hard, you know, but it's going to be fine. You just have to be positive, you know, and and that was sort of how he lived his life and how he lived his his uh, uh you know his treatment um, all the way until he passed, and and I, I sort of felt like for me it was you know, in, in honor of his memory that, you know, should, should I have to face the same thing or something similar to what he did that, that I, that I sort of follow his, his strategy and, and, and embrace, you know, all of the good things that, that really do end up coming from a hard situation. And, and, you know, to hear that that's being passed down, I think speaks, uh, you know, it speaks volumes just about that idea period that, that, you know, there's a lot of hard things we're going to face, but we gotta, we, we have to, you know, kind of, push on with a smile because what you know what else are you going to do okay and the last thing i have for you it's a two-part question but it seems to be a lot of uh you know the same theme is what advice would you give someone who was newly diagnosed with cancer and the second part is what did you do with all the things you were sent by your fans while you were in the hospital yeah, I mean, well, we well, the, as far as the second part goes, I mean, a lot of those things ended up. I mean, if you you can actually see some of them in my hospital room in Dear Jack, you know, some of the stuff that was sent along to me, and you know, there were a lot of a uh, a lot of letters. There was a kind of a letter writing campaign that went on on the Warp Tour that summer, um, you know, and so my family would read those to me, and I I sort of uh you know I gained a lot of a lot of strength from you know just knowing that people were out there. Um, as far as the advice I would give. I mean, I, I think you know not to keep hammering at the, at the point, but I, I I do think it's important to you know to acknowledge you know the, your ability to survive, and and I always say you know the biggest thing I I did was breathe, you know, and, and I I I know that sounds kind of that sounds kind of vague and silly or whatever, but it, it's amazing what the power of of breathing does to keep you calm and. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I sort of, uh, I found a lot of my strength in just sitting back and taking long, deep breaths in and long, deep breaths out. Any time that I started to panic, you know, and any time it really started to scare me, and and I found myself really you know, centering myself by using the, the breath, and I, I would recommend that highly. It's amazing how something so simple is something that you really have to stop and think about, and can be yeah. so effective. Well, it's a, yeah, it really, I mean, I, I sort of, you know. For me, a big spiritual touchstone was, uh, you know, was the Tao Te Ching, which was, you know, just an, essentially a pretty, you know, it's an Eastern philosophy, essentially, you know. But the, I sort of have always, I've, I've been into yoga and, and sort of that the Eastern philosophy thing for a long time. That that I really called upon that, and that that was sort of, you know, my spiritual center was was those practices, and I, you know, and you know, like I said, lots of deep breathing rituals and meditation, and and you know, things that would sort of put me inside of my head and keep me thinking positive, but also have me envisioning, you know, the, you know, the actual cells beating the cancer and, 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 you know, sort of all of those, those additional kind of things that you, you learn through meditating. And you continue that to this day? You do yoga? And... I, I, I literally, <laughs> I came right from a yoga class when I called you guys. Is that right? Yeah. Very I, nice. I do, I do it regularly. Now, are you married? 
I am. I've been uh, married uh, going on four years now. So you met your wife after? No, no. I, uh, I've i known my wife since we were uh, since we attended high school together. And, oh wow! Um, and she, um, you know, she, you know, she had been my girlfriend for many years leading up to when I got sick. We had actually been uh, separated at at the time, um, and in a lot of ways, uh, you know, my illness, you know, sort of brought us back together. Um, and yeah, we've been married. Uh, we've been married since a year after my uh, after my diagnosis. So she's a trooper. She's incredible. Yeah, she's a and and trooper. and how's your sister doing? She's doing great. Yeah, she's uh, she's fantastic. You know, I've obviously got a lot to, a lot to thank her for. So you know, her birthdays get a little extra. You know, I was just going to ask, do like do holidays uh, go her way every year? Absolutely, absolutely. No, she's she's a, she's a wonderful person as well, and I uh, you know. It's a testament to the women in my life that I'm actually here. And she got a song written about her, so I think you're even. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know that uh, I don't know that a song necessarily pays it back, but you know, we'll, one thing at a time, I suppose. Well, we want to play. Uh, speaking of songs, we want to play another song. I think we're going to play the resolution. Um, you can talk about that, and then after that song, I think we'll take some more. Yeah, so, some fans out there, we do just want to ask you some straightforward questions about. Yeah, the if music. anyone in the chat room has a has a question, certainly put it in there and. And we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the music, if that's okay, too, and where you're headed after this. So um, first, do you want to tell us about the resolution? Yeah, you know, I, I think this this was definitely one of the last songs written for the uh, written for the album. Um, and I mean, for me, resolution was it was though it sounds kind of sweet in a sense. It was sort of a, a little bit defiant. You know, I had spent a lot of time having people, you know, ask me questions about about what it was like to be sick, you know, and all and all of these things, and you know. It, in that period of time, I, I think I, I sort of had had reached a, a boiling point, and so that's where kind of the lyric is like, you know, I, I'm alive, but I don't need a witness. <laughs> you know, it kind of came from that. Like, you know, I, I'm well aware of what I went through. Thank you, and believe me, it's not all, you know, it's not all sunshine and, and flowers right now. <laughs> you know, and I, I, again, speaking to that sort of awkward part of the uh, the recovery, kind of getting the brain around. So yeah. that's kind of where it came from. Absolutely. All right, Matt, you want to cue us up? And is this from the same album? Yep, this is on Glass Passenger as well. All right, this is The Resolution. There's a lot that I don't know. There's a lot that I'm still learning. When I think I'm letting go, find my body is still burning. And you hold me down. And you got me living in the past. Come on and pick me up. Somebody clear the wreckage from the glass.
sorry, wrong button. <laughs> we got to cue our audience better. <laughs> That's funny. You hit the boom meter instead of the clap meter? Exactly. Good. I was going to do oh, this one Matt. instead. It's not a tumor. How's that one for you? <laughs> I find myself saying that from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell us uh, what's coming up. Now, you, I believe, go on tour with uh, something corporate, which is your other band, correct? And, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, so we've been a... Uh, We've been on a really long, long break. If you call it a break, we've been kind of, you know, sort of a, sort of on a hiatus, and and came up on this 10-year uh, anniversary of kind of when we we uh, started playing out professionally and and, and recording music, and uh, and yeah, we decided to take the opportunity to kind of go do a little uh, do a little lap around the country and say hey to the. Uh, Say hey to the people who've been waiting to see that for so long. So we have to appease again some of your other uh, Jack's Mannequin fans in the chat room who are just rifling these questions at us where they want some sort of hint as to what's going to come up on the next album, thematically. Any thoughts? Um, God, you know, I, I'm 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 so waging a war on that record as we speak that it's uh, <laughs> you know it's 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 hard to say exactly um, what the the final theme will be. It's definitely. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I almost don't want to say anything without, you know, with, you know, because I'm scared to kind of give too much away. You can tell um, us it's about Jack Buford. If you need a backup, it's okay to tell us that it's about Jack Buford. If you need a backup dancer for your tour, I'm available. Yeah, well, I'm actually the, the entire. It, it is a dance record solely for the, for the sake of getting you out there, Jack, so we can get if, you to shake a little. If you, if uh, you, it's going to be Dance Dance Revolution, it. Jack's Mannequin Soko style. Andrew, yeah, if you haven't exactly. noticed, yeah, <clears throat> if you haven't noticed, Andrew, this is unfortunately not a group with small egos. Yeah, well, that's okay. You know what I mean. I, I I'm glad I'm not in the room because my head probably wouldn't fit in the door there. You know what I mean. So, no, I'm just kidding. Not uh, with Jack's mannequin sitting here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a blow-up doll, not a mannequin. Oh shit. How, you know, how did you come up with the name Jack's mannequin? Oh, it's just a horrible story, and, and mainly speaking to the point, you know, I, I had I had had so many people kind of like, you know, with with the something corporate band name, I just kind of got like constantly harassed on why that why I came up with that that I I more or less you know made Jack's mannequin because it had absolutely nothing to do with anything just so I really wouldn't have a great story about it <laughs> just something that popped into your head yeah I mean you know there you know I, I, there was a point where I was talking about calling the band the mannequins and that really didn't uh, you know that didn't really make sense because at the time there wasn't really a band it was just me in the studio so uh, the first tune that was written for the uh, uh, well, that was written for the, that record, even though it didn't end up on it, was called Dear Jack, and that's kind of how Jack ended up in there. And now you now you've stuck us with again. If Jack's ego wasn't big big enough, now he loves it that he can forever say that he has some connection to you, some tie to you. Now you've been on the show, and his name is Jack. Yeah, I hope your shit's trademark, bro, because Buffard <laughs> here is going to be running through the hills with your. Well, I was just right, thinking with all the Dear Jack stuff, I'll get a what T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very, very nice. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show. Um, is there anything you'd like to leave us with, parting words? What's, what would you like to see happen? What is the goal of the uh, uh, of your new sort of uh, re-strategized uh, efforts in the uh, philanthropy sector? Well, you know, at this point, you know, a huge part of what we're trying to do is find, you know, find these uh, – you know, find these outfits and these research wings that we can we can help donate money to that are going to focus on 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 science that's going to help this age bracket. You know, and that's that as you guys well know is a pretty uh, is a pretty big task. You know, uh, the other half of it is obviously 
you know, leaning towards uh, support services and, and, and helping families of, of young adults with cancer as well, you know, which, uh, you know, we, we started doing, we did a big uh, sweep of, of, uh, of donations, sending kids to camp this summer um, and helping to support some of these camps that help, uh, help you know, youth kind of get in and, you know, have a little fun in the middle of their treatment and stuff so they can enjoy uh, enjoy their lives, uh, you know, despite what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the big thing now is we're gearing up uh, November. We're planning on doing a big uh, charity show at the, uh, the El Rey in Los Angeles. Um, so it's kind of tentatively on the books. Hopefully it will be official soon. Um, and that that show will will center you know around a big auction as well, and and hopefully we'll we'll raise a whole lot of dough there that we can uh, that we can channel back to the cause. Well, Andrew, you know the folks in the chat room they are protesting loudly. They're writing in all caps: "Chain him down! Do not let him go! Ask more questions!" <laughs> They're rifling these through. But you know somebody actually just wrote in. He said his name is Chris, okay. and uh, he just wanted to write that. Um, he says, I know this show is mostly about cancer, but I have cerebral palsy, and I just want to thank Andrew for inspiring me as well. So well, you're touching I mean, a lot of young people out there, which is great. Well, we did a show a couple of months ago called All Young Adult Diseases Suck, <laughs> and it was one of our biggest rated shows. We talked about diabetes, juvenile diabetes, we talked about uh, irritable bowel and Crohn's disease, we talked right. about AIDS. We talked about all the shit that happens to people our age. It doesn't matter what it is. We all young care. adult we'll diseases talk about suck. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing, you know. And I, I feel really blessed that I, you know, that what I've kind of gone through has, has sort of ended up being, you know, a rallying point for a lot of, uh, a lot of young people. You know, uh, to, to any extent that, that you know, what I went through can inspire people. That's amazing. But, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think it speaks to the fact that there are people out there really looking you know, looking to be connected with, you know, and I think what you guys are doing here, opening up the conversation and, and making it possible to, for young people who I think, you know, might otherwise be keeping these things inside, you know, it, it, it's nice to know that there are resources out there, and, you know, I'm glad that I can be one of them. Well, I can't, I can't thank you enough for making the time to be on the show. We wanted this show to go long. You've been on the air uh, almost 50 minutes. It's, we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours, and, again, your fans are never going to listen to the show again because we had to let you go. Well, hopefully they will, you know, because uh, I think what you guys are doing is incredibly important, and it's nice because I don't really know that there's a lot of what you guys are doing that exists out there. So uh, there, there surprisingly is. Um, in fact, I, I wanted to just end on that. I'm I'm happy to lend our organization to you as a Sherpa guide. Yeah. You know, Please. all politics aside, all celebrity stuff aside, dude, we just have coffee, and I will introduce you to all the people you need to know in the young adult movement to have impact and be part of this community. Because it sounds like you're not a guy that wants to be in a silo. And we're all collaborative, and we all work in a economic fashion, yep. and everything works together. So welcome to the Stupid Cancer Club. And come yeah. to us in well, New thank York. You for, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me, and I, I will look forward to further conversations with you guys because I think it could be a really huge resource as a, yeah, to, and the foundation as well. So I and Jack has that. your cell phone, so you're in trouble now. No, that's fine. Please, I well, won't you know, maybe, don't, maybe don't give it to Jack. I, you know, <laughs> But, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely sister appreciate single? continuing the conversation, <laughs> <Stop> it. <laughs> for sure. All right, so once again, we are the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, the nation's largest uh, support organization for young adults affected by cancer. We thank everyone for being on the show. We especially thank Andrew McMahon for being on the show. We'll have him back, uh, sure enough, before you know it. So do take care of yourself. God bless, and, and all good things. Thanks, thank Andrew. Thank you all, and uh, thanks to the, uh, the guys typing in the chat room. I appreciate it. Okay, Andrew McMahon, Thanks, Andrew. everybody. Andrew McMahon.
Have a good one, guys. Take care, bro. Go take a shower. You smell like yoga. <laughs> that was a great show. It was a great show. And thank you for all. The, the chat room is really rocking. It's, I haven't seen people type this quickly. It's flying by. 77, flying by. 76, and 75 everybody people. Everybody loves Andrew. Everybody does love Andrew. Anyone that's still listening, thank you for listening. Please join the Young Adult Cancer Movement. We are online at stupidcancer.com. Sign up. Join the cause. Give back to your own generation, and let's make the difference that needs to happen. And with that, we're going to go out with Bruised. And let's thank Jill, the lovely well, that, Jill. No, well, I, Jill goes out in the closing sequence. Okay, I can't, I can't thank her sooner? No, no, no. She's, she's not here oh, in she's, person. She's she not important. We have enough big heads she's here. She's sitting right <laughs> next to us. All right, before we go to Bruise, I will just say special thanks to our, to our Survivor Spotlight, Jill Harrison, our in-studio guests, Emily Cousins, Tom Snyder, Kareem Abatz, Amanda Freeman, Jack LaFord, Lisa Bernhardt, and I wish you all a pleasant Mary evening. Mary Aslin. Oh, Mary's here. Mary Aslin. I forgot. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're so quiet over there. Mary Aslin. Um, so here's Bruised as we go out. Again, chat room. Again. Good night, everybody. I'm good to go. You all righty. So if you missed any of our past shows, please check out the stupidcancershow.com or search for Stupid Cancer. On iTunes, this show will be on iTunes by tomorrow morning. If it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We're here live every Monday from 9 to 10 p.m., the voice of young adults. Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stooping, Jack Rufard, and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Morgan. Fuck her out. <laughs>